Welcome to SKUcast, the podcast for entrepreneurs in the promotional products industry. SKUcast shines a light on our industry's best work, features maverick personalities, and discusses what's really involved in running a modern promotional products business. SKUcast is the official podcast of Common SKU. From selling t-shirts on eBay to building one of the brightest emerging e-commerce companies in the promo business, they serve tech companies such as HubSpot, Zendesk, and Zapier. Casey Shore and Kevin Materi built Printfection and developed a unique and refreshing model in the e-commerce swag space. But it wasn't easy. You know, we're doing millions of dollars in business and it's three employees um, just completely overwhelmed for an entire year. I call it the year from hell. Um, it was terrible, but it had to be done. And it's kind of ripping off. It was literally ripping off the Band-Aid uh, and, and just starting fresh because we we saw we didn't rip the Band-Aid off for a little while uh, and, and we weren't making that transition as, as fast as we wanted to to the new business model. We just had to kind of cut it, cut loose and and just do it. Um, and it was, it was probably the best thing we ever did. I don't think we'd be where we are today if we didn't just rip the Band-Aid off. Casey is our guest on the podcast today and will also be on our Emerging Trends in E-Commerce panel at SKU Camp in Palm Springs, October 1st through 3rd. You can find out more at skewcamp.com. I begin today's discussion by asking Casey, how did you find your way to this business? In high school, I, I made t-shirts and sold them on eBay uh, when eBay was first coming out. So I was always been pretty bleeding edge on uh, new internet sites and things like that uh, and kind of got on there early before there was a lot of competition and did fairly well selling custom design interesting t-shirts on eBay uh, and then also kind of just random business interests I remember writing a, a tomb Ra- tomb Raider like video game how to beat the thing and sold advertising on the website and then that kind of led to making uh, t-shirts with online stores actually for uh, internet communities back in the late 90s, very early 2000s uh, while I was still in high school. So just printed the t-shirts in my basement uh, kind of for extra money. Um, And then I paused kind of with all these entrepreneurial pursuits to go to college. Um, But then it only lasted a couple of years and about sophomore year in school, um, just kind of always thinking up new business ideas and um, met a a friend who's my current business partner, Kevin. um, And he was really into the tech side, kind of a programming development background. Um, and so we basically wasn't super creative, but put to get back together these same ideas I had in high school and just took it to the next level. Um, and so we basically built a, a t-shirt printing company similar to Cafe Press or Zazzle um, and did on-demand t-shirt printing when kind of the really robust industrialized um, machines were coming out. And we actually purchased like number 31 of the Cornet printer. Um, and so that's kind of how I got into the industry happenstance. And then um, we, we morphed that business model into the current Printfection, which is more of a B2B swag management platform. Do you still have equipment now? No, we don't. Um, so kind of as we made this transition from the first version of Printfection to the current version, um, you know, learned a lot about what our strengths were as entrepreneurs and uh, what motivated us. And we kind of divested the actual printing. Um, and so we, we don't own any equipment anymore. Who were you selling to back then? It was mostly a business to consumer model where you could go onto Printfection, open up an online shop to maybe sell designs that you created, artwork, funny sayings. Um, so it was really kind of anybody who wanted to go on there and make a few bucks uh, selling their t-shirts, small communities, groups, individuals. 
Give us an idea on the time frame on this. What year was this? What year did you start? What year did you get your Cornet printer? We started the company in 2004. It took us about a year and a half to build the first version of our website uh, while we were in school. So it was a great time to kind of just go heads down, not have any expenses, and uh, just build, build, build. Um, launched Printfection version one in 2005. Um, grew that uh, kind of up into 2008. And then the recession hurt us quite a bit because we were retail e-commerce. And that's kind of when we took that introspective look. And uh, so it was kind of 08, 09, 10, like in that time frame when we the, the first beginnings of the shift to the new business-to-business model took place. Um, and then that was a, a slow evolution because we were kind of still running the original business. It was paying for everything um, and trying to build up some features to launch this business-to-business platform. Um, so it took took years uh, to go through that transition. And I would say now we have been doing the new Printfection um, swag management platform for you know two to three years, depending on how you count. You shifted from a B2C focus to B2B. Was there a singular moment that helped make that decision for you? It wasn't any big bang moment. It kind of evolved over the course of a year or so. Uh, we, we'd gotten you know the, the first version of Printfection, as I call it, uh, up, up to be fairly successful. We were doing, you know, a million or so in sales, 2 million. Um, but we, we kind of just took a step back and we're like, Hey, how are we going to grow this thing? Um, you know, we'd graduated from college. We were slightly more adult at that point in time. And we kind of looked at who our best customers were, you know, where was this revenue coming from? It was the first time we really had dug into the business and tried to understand it from a fundamental standpoint. And what we realized was our best customers weren't actually selling merchandise at all to make a profit. They were simply using our online platform to distribute merchandise to their audience. Uh, Oftentimes they were paying for it. They were just, and you, you know, we'd call them up. We'd say, well, what are you doing with our system? And they're like, oh, we just like how you guys do all the shipping and the fulfillment for us. And that was kind of our light bulb moment uh, when we realized, hey, wow, there is this whole promotional products industry. Um, billions of dollars a year are spent by corporations uh, giving away merchandise. It sounds so stupid looking back, but we didn't even really realize that uh, because we were so deep into this consumer uh, model. And that was kind of the, the shifting point for the company. So it's 2008. You hit the recession like most of us. What was that like for you guys? Was this a major setback? Did you have a moment where you feared losing the business? Yeah, I think we had a couple of those moments. So, I mean, put yourself in our shoes. I was, oh man, I don't even know how old I was then, but really young. I mean, 22, 23 years old. We we didn't know much about business. We thought we did, but we had no clue what we were doing. Um, and especially from a financials and just business fundamental standpoint, we had a lot to learn. Um, so that recession hit us really hard. We were, you know, kind of going gangbusters on the first perfection and growing and hiring people and buying equipment. And all of a sudden, bam, we hit this wall of 2008. Um, it, it it almost put us out of business, to be honest with you. That's when we really kind of had to look at the numbers and um, trim trim some staff. It was it was a difficult time. Um, but we got through it and we learned a ton through that recession. You know, I'm really intrigued by that pivot. So you saw that there was more value, more profitability in the B2B buyers? Yeah. I mean, I think the recession was actually the turning point for us kind of looking introspectively at our business. It, it was pretty easy just to keep growing and advertising and getting these store customers. And, and then when the recession hit, we had to really look and say, okay, like, where are we going to focus our time? What's the profitable segments of our business and the unprofitable ones. Um, and that's where we uncovered this realization that, oh, wow, the, the most profitable customers are the ones that are just giving away the merchandise. Um, and then it was an evolution over years to kind of figure out, okay, how do we harness that and really you know, focus on that as a business? Let's back up just a bit. Can you tell folks about your business model? It's a little bit different. Yeah. So 
Printfashion, we say we're we're a swag management platform. Um, so it's an end-to-end service to help you kind of manage all of your corporate swag. Um, so we help you design it, uh, print it, store it in a fulfillment center, and then distribute it anywhere worldwide, all in one integrated system. Um, so the folks that call us are the ones that have a lot of distribution challenges, offices all around the world, um, customers all over the place, uh, needing individualized fulfillment. Um, so I would say there's usually a strong undercurrent of fulfillment uh, to the folks that we're chatting with. Do you fulfill in-house? Uh, we have a partner company that we work with very closely. Um, so no, we don't own the fulfillment center, um, but we do have a lot of our technology uh, in there to kind of make things go smooth. I would say 90% of our customers are storing inventory um, and using that, at least in part, along with kind of the traditional print and drop ship orders um, that go direct off the factory floor. Do you sell mostly to Marcom, marketing communications, prospects, and buyers? Yeah, I would say they are for the most part. Um, definitely marketing department. Uh, we also have some sales teams, HR, uh, kind of I think the typical suspects. We're not radically different than most promotional product distributors in our customer base. Um, it'd be just the, the types of organizations that value our sort of a platform. Um, I think they're the ones that are a little more, a little more tech savvy and kind of how they approach business. Kind of one of the differentiators of our, our platform is just the integrations with uh, kind of some of the other uh, marketing tools that we're seeing a lot of our customers use. So, um, you know, Marketo and HubSpot are marketing automation systems that send out emails and manage your prospects. Um, so, you know, we have an integration with that platform to you know distribute giveaway codes uh, where those recipients can redeem um, and have free swag mailed out to them that pulls out of their inventory. Um, and then sales reps, uh, for example, can launch a Printfection order directly out of Salesforce. Um, so things like that that kind of differentiate us from um, you know many other distributors. I like how you just gloss over these aspects of your business. They're huge. They're killer differentiation points. Did this B two C experience help shape and define your future B two B model? So when we made this kind of transition from a retail-oriented print-on-demand company to a business-to-business swag marketing platform, um, it took us a while, but we kind of realized that we were going to have to reset everything. Um, you know, the platform, the software was pretty good, but but just the entire way the company ran needed to be shifted to really, truly service a B2B clientele. Um, and so over the course of course of a year or so, we actually kind of reset our entire team. We scaled all the way back to one employee, so just Kevin, myself, and one other guy. Uh, and that was extremely painful. Um, we had people that were working for us that were great, great people. And um, we just had to kind of scale back and just reset as a business. Um, and I think that's probably the hardest thing we've ever went through um, from the personnel standpoint to kind of post uh, scale back. You know, we're doing millions of dollars in business and it's three employees um, just completely overwhelmed for an entire year. I call it the year from hell. Um, it was terrible, but it had to be done. And it's kind of ripping off. It was literally ripping off the Band-Aid uh, and, and just starting fresh because we we saw we didn't rip the Band-Aid off for a little while uh, and, and we weren't making that transition as, as fast as we wanted to to the new business model. We just had to kind of cut it, cut loose and and just do it. Um, and it was it was probably the best thing we ever did. I don't think we'd be where we are today if we didn't just rip the bandaid off, so to speak. Um, and I think that's true in so many things in business, whether it's, you know, maybe a mishire and you're, you're worried about it or a bad customer that's kind of dragging you along. Uh, it's so easy to just go so long without just ripping the bandaid off. So that was, that was the worst and best thing we ever did as a company. So the pain was twofold. One was just having, having to let go of employees and then just starting over. Yeah. It was a step, taking a step back to day one almost and just doing everything yourself, kind of relearning the business um, and then just changing so many things from 
you know, financial processes to be a B2B company to, you know, just expectations with customers, just everything was just had to be reset. And it was just a lot of work. Thanks for sharing that part of your story, man. It's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. No worries. I'm still seeing how wonderful it is that you can connect with some of these major platforms and make that happen. I mean, when I'm processing this, it's not the technology that I'm blown away by as much. I mean, that's impressive. It's the value to the customer and how integral you are to their business. You're not just a swag provider. You're critical to their supply chain. Yeah, that's that's a nice way to say it for sure. I think like if you, if you even step back from our model, kind of what we've seen is just if you look at other businesses, I mean, we want to become sticky in our customer base um, selfishly and because, you know, that means that we're providing value to our customers. So, you know, what are these things that we can get integrated where, you know, they, they got to come to a, back to us and we're providing a lot of value. We can report against some of their Salesforce data, things like that, that are, go beyond just uh, printing and shipping out a piece of merchandise. Um, and so that, that makes, gets us really excited. And I think, you know, if you think about the industry in general, too, um, it seems like that's kind of where things are going, uh, you know, just trying to be more than just uh, an order taker, so to speak, and provide a lot of value to the customer. So, I mean, we're always trying to figure that out. And um, an another thing that we're, we, we just believe intrinsically is that, um, you know, swag in this industry is really complex uh, in so many different ways. Um, so we're constantly trying to reduce complexity and just make things easy. Um, it's obviously easier said than done, right? Look at the iPhone and Apple. I mean, it, it looks so simple, but it's not. Um, that's kind of an inspiration, that sort of mentality. What kind of competition do you face or how do you grow market share or grow existing clients? I mean, obviously we're, you know, we're competitive. We want to earn as much business as we can um, from our customers and we hope to earn their trust over time. So, you know, a lot of times we'll start small uh, with a really unique program uh, such as, you know, hey, every time a new lead attends a webinar, we want to ship them off a t-shirt. Uh, we're very, very strong there. Uh, you know, we win that business and then we hope to over time maybe earn their trust and kind of land and expand our tentacles into other areas. Uh, so it would definitely depend on customer by customer. Um, you know, some, I think we're controlling most of their budget. Others were, you know, a fairly small part. Um, so that's an ongoing, ongoing, uh, initiative for us, I guess you'd say. Do you find yourself sometimes so innovative that you outpace some of the market or do traditional marketing departments have a slower time grasping your model? Absolutely. We struggle with that. And I think one of the things that we've done is to simply realize that that dynamic exists um, and to focus our efforts on companies where the entire marketing department is innovative. So um, I, I learned this from the Crossing the Chasm book. Uh, you know, we're kind of focusing on the early adopter segment right now. Um, and we found success in technology companies because you know, they're trying to do something different. They hire people that are innovative. Um, and so we're very strong there. But we routinely run into traditional marketing departments and more traditional companies. And we, we struggle to be completely honest with you and we don't win that business. Um, but we're okay with that. We've just kind of focused on these uh, innovators to start with and we want to win that market. Um, analogy I like to use, and I even use with our team is, is, you know, Facebook started on college campuses. They weren't, uh, ubiquitous to begin with. Yelp started by marketing to restaurants in San Francisco. We're kind of in that phase where we're still in the early adopters. Um, and we're not trying to win everybody's business. We're, um, we're post product market fit. So some of these terms, you know, come from, from some of my mentors and idols. Like, uh, there's this guy named Steve Blank who wrote an amazing book called the four steps to the epiphany. Uh, we, we literally call it the Bible at our company and every new hire has to read it. Um, it's basically kind of, he's the father of the lean startup movement and he's, and he's given a prescription 
for how to build a startup organization and the different phases you go through. Um, so the first is kind of trying to find product market fit, trying to find something that resonates with the market. So over over many years, we finally, I think, are there and we have a product that our customers are willing to pay for. Uh, and so now we're kind of in the phase of um, preparing to scale. So what that means is you have product market fit, but your organization as a whole isn't ready to scale. Um, and so we're working on doing things like defining our cost of customer acquisition, lifetime value of a customer. Um, and and we're, we're in that phase and we're doing, we're doing all right. Uh, it, it's, it's hard, of course, but we're, we're getting through it. Um, and so we're you know, hiring kind of the first person in each area of the organization. So somebody in customer success, uh, sales, marketing, um, finance, kind of building out that initial initial team. Um, so we are still an early stage business. Uh, and then I think the next step will lies ahead is is actually scaling the company. So really kind of stepping on the gas pedal and ramping up revenues uh, even faster once we're kind of ready to scale. So um, that, that book's been a huge inspiration for me. And um, I would highly recommend it to anybody who's kind of pursuing something new and entrepreneurial. Where do you see Printfection in the next five to 10 years? So I think this isn't a, this isn't a, sexy answer, but uh, I think in the next three to five years, um, there's not going to be any crazy changes. We found kind of what we want to do in the market. We want to build the easiest to use swag management platform. Uh, and we have a long ways to go. I mean, we're listening to our customers and they're asking for all sorts of things that we don't do yet uh, in our system. So I think it's going to be a lot of grinding it out, building these little features here and there, making things easier to use um, and just incremental iterative um, execution. I think that's what you're going to see from us in the short term. Uh, and then for me, kind of in the longer term, um, I mean, we want to kind of keep moving up market into the enterprise. Uh, so some of my kind of role models that we always chat about internally here is like Salesforce. If you kind of dissect their history as a company, they started on the low end of the CRM market uh, and they you know, got small businesses on their platform. It was innovative. It was in the cloud at the time. Nobody else did that. Uh, and then they moved up and now they're displacing uh, kind of the enterprise incumbents. Um, so, you know, long term, I think that's a you know, ambitious goal we have. We'll see how far we get, but I would love to, you know, be able to service a giant Fortune 500 company and have every department on our platform, all separated billing and uh, different fulfillment and, and inventory controls, all that great stuff that doesn't exist quite yet. Um, and then, you know, maybe global distribution, something we chat about kind of pie in the sky over, over drinks at the end of the day, uh, having fulfillment centers and, and production capabilities worldwide. Um, some of our customers are already asking for that. Um, and then, Another thing that really inspires me is maybe creating some sort of a ecosystem or a platform around the business. Um, once again, like Salesforce did it with the App Exchange. Once they got really large, uh, now you can basically uh, develop modules and plugins for the system. Um, or if you look at Amazon, that's another inspiration always for us. Um, you know, they they couldn't sell every product themselves, so they allowed other people to sell products on their platform. Um, we run into that right now all the time. Customers want you know the long tail of swag items and we just can't partner with every single factory. So solving that somehow to provide more flexibility is kind of a pie in the sky goal. Casey, you have a business partner. Kevin, can you tell us about your different roles and how each uh, respective role impacts the business? Yeah, definitely. So I was really fortunate to meet Kevin. He's my business partner uh, in college and you know we were good friends and uh, started a company together. And I think at the time we had no idea how important it was to find the right business partner or I didn't even realize you know how you at least I think, you know, finding somebody who's very different than me and has complementary skill sets has proved just invaluable. So Kevin's much more um, operationally focused. Uh, he's the genius for kind of all of our web development and, and engineering efforts. Uh, he wrote the entire website and all of our software and everything. 
Um, and so that's been great kind of, and, and I think what challenge with that too, is us learning together as, as a team. Okay. Like who's going to manage what, not stepping on each other's toes, uh, you know, trusting each other to get things done. So we've gone through a lot of learning uh, together, but, uh, I think, you know, we're finally starting to figure it out, uh, and, and kind of splitting up those roles and responsibilities so that we can, um, you know, each focus on what we're really good at. Can you recall a significant order or a project in your history that helped define who you are, or maybe it was a momentous project that was like a watermark for your business? Yeah. Our, our, when we were first coming up with the swag management platform concept, our first big customer was New Relic. They're a software company. They're, they're now publicly traded. Uh, this was when they were just kind of getting going. And they signed up self-service online, didn't even talk to them. And they integrated with our API. We had an API, which is a way for kind of two computer systems to talk to each other. Uh, and they just started giving away t-shirts and we're like, holy cow, this thing is just taking off. So, you know, call them, talk to them, get to know them. And, um, and for multiple years, they were our biggest customer and just gave away tons of shirts uh, one at a time. And what it was is basically when you signed up on New Relic's website to trial their software product, you had to, you had to get your IT man to install a, an agent, which is like a little piece of software on the server. And that was, that was a big deal. So the marketer, or the, the, you know, signing up on New Relic and, uh, you know, you got to get your IT guy to do it. And so they thought, hey, maybe if we offer uh, the IT guy a piece of a swag, if, a t-shirt, a New Relic t-shirt, if he installs this, we'll get more installs. Um, and it worked. And so they kept doing it over and over and over again with us. And uh, that was kind of a big moment for us. We're like, hey, like this has got some legs, like this thing's actually going to work because we just kind of on a whim just meant, like, hey, maybe we'll build this giveaway product and let people, you know, give away t-shirts, see if it works. And, and they, they really kind of pr proof of concept it with us. Cool. Very cool. So what was the craziest project you guys ever handled? When we first started the company back in 2005, um, it, remember, this is more retail oriented at the, at the time, but we put a deal out on the internet. We called it the $2 t-shirt. Uh, and so we let people upload you know, a logo or a design and customize a t-shirt for two bucks. Um, they had to pay for shipping too. Uh, and we got like 15,000 redemptions in one day. This was, it, it was multiple per minute uh, coming in and it was just absolutely insane. Staying up all night to print these shirts ourselves in our warehouse, you know, trying to go to college the next day. Uh, it was just ridiculous. We didn't make any money on it. And we realized that most of the people were spammers uh, that redeemed these offers, but uh, it was just crazy. It kind of, it kind of, that, that showed us the power of the internet. Like, holy cow, this is insane. That's awesome. That's a great story. Yeah, I'll never forget the $2 t-shirt offer. Oh my gosh. You probably, you probably Google that and find some archives of, you know, of it on the internet somewhere. So you're sitting across from a 22 year old, fresh out of college entrepreneur, and they tell you they're thinking of getting into the swag business. What do you recommend? Well, I would, I would, I would tell them based on my experiences that we found the most success when we've been extremely focused and tried to be better at anybody else really in the world at one specific thing. Um, so just being different, trying to find your unique place in the world. I know that seems like generic advice, but I mean, that's been the crux of the limited success we've had is simply just, um, simply just trying to, trying to find something and, and really win at it. So, you know, find your place. Um, don't just copy everybody else and kind of be, you know, a, a swag, shop for everybody. And how do you do that? How do you find your place? I think it starts for us 
leading with listening, uh, listening to the market, uh, listening to your early customers, interviewing them, asking questions, trying to understand what their pain points and challenges are, and then using a little bit of creativity to, to create an innovative solution. Um, they won't necessarily tell you what they want. Um, I think, you know, the, the famous quote is, uh, you know, Henry Ford asked people what they wanted and they said faster horses. Um, and then he realized he needed to build a car. So in that vein, you, you're putting a creative spin on what you're hearing. Um, then pushing that out there, seeing, listening, and repeating. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, I think we really try to do is listen to the market and it does kind of pull us in, in the right direction. Our guest today has been Casey Shore from Printfection. Casey, thanks so much, man. It's been great to talk to you. This is awesome. And I re- I seriously, sincerely appreciate you uh, asking me to do this and, uh, and everything you've done for me, man. I've learned uh, so much from you over the years. So thank you. Very kind. Thanks, man. Take care. Thanks so much for tuning into this episode of SKUcast. Be sure to keep up with our latest content by subscribing to SKUcast on iTunes or to our blog at community.commonskew.com. Until next time, friends, thanks so much for listening. Thank you.